Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Jameer Smith Show podcast. And I'm excited about this show because a multitude of reasons. Number one, I have missed you guys, and I know that I've been gone for like a week and a half, and I really wanted to take some time off just to really be intentional and live in the presence and enjoy my daggone holiday, okay? And I wanted y'all to enjoy yours. But I wanted someone to be the last show of my 2022 that means a lot. Someone that has how do we say, the je ne sais quoi of elegance, of poise, but someone that I have to say is a badass. Everybody, I'm so excited. So put your hands, your ears, and everything together for the beautiful, the writer, the director, the actress. Miss Ty French is in the building, y'all. What's going on, Ty? Oh, God, what an introduction. <laughs> yes. Thank you for that. I am so happy to be here and to be your last guest of the year. I didn't even think about that. That is that's an honor. That's dope. I thought about it the other day because I was like, "Wow, so who do I bring on just to be honestly the last last guest?" Because we want to end the year strong. We've had some phenomenal people. I mean, honestly, Ty, this year has been full circle for the Jameer Smith show, for me personally, for friends around me. But I want to get into you. Uh-oh. As we talked about at the beginning, writer, director, actress, NAACP Theater Award winner for Best Playwriting in 2020. My girl, she is an L.A. native. She has written over two dozen original TV stories and series from the gritty dramas to high concept sci-fi fantasies. <laughs> but moreover, I want to just go into you. Before we get into your work, before we get into your passion, as we are both wrapping up in the world, wrapping up 2022, how has this year been for you? This year has been the most pivotal year of my life. Um, I lost my mother this year unexpectedly. Mm -hmm. And my mother was my best friend, um, married to my father 39 years. They would have celebrated 40 in November. Um, So it was a pivotal year and I'm a person who believes in you know divine order divine timing and guidance and all those things and as hard and tough as it was and is for me to not have my mother physically here I know that it was her time um and she was just a ball of light so much joy just so just full of life you know and simply the best I mean a perfectionist and because she expected perfection of herself we got to benefit we being her family the people around her so this year for me losing that physical presence of my mother you know this strong matriarch in my family was earth-shaking you can imagine yeah but so allowed me to just kind of be still you know and surrender because, you know, as an artist, you do want to, you know, manage your career, manage things and get things done. And, you know, da, 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 always on the move, always on the go, next, next, next. But it's like I had to stop. And this year was because she passed in July. So it was half of the year, a very productive year, wonderful, fun year. I have wonderful circles of friends. So we going out doing the brunch thing, you know, mm-hmm. the LA thing, living our fun. <laughs> young on the rooftops and the things and then this tragedy happens and that caused me to turn but instead of going down you know and making the year seem like it's just all 
negative, it has some positive effects. And so I'm still, I'm in a healing process as we end 2022. So I want to talk about that first. Um, You put a post up and I have to say, I've had a lot of really close friends, um, colleagues, associates, people that have lost their parents um, in the last two years. And um, when I heard about it, I'm trying not to get emotional, y'all, you know, but um, when I had heard about you losing your mom, I thought about some of my best friends Mm -hmm. and how much I cannot um, even fathom you know, losing my parents. And we have a lot of alignment. You know, I know that you and I are still building our love relationship, but my parents, again, have been married over 37 years and, you know, still alive and kicking it and getting on my nerves. But you know what I love about that is they're still here. Mm-hmm. What I love about you, though, is that you put up a post and you says, there's no one like you, mom. You were the goat. Mm-hmm. I will miss you in the physical but know that you're with me in every breath I take. Mm. My superhero, my diva, my bestie, my life source. Mm. Because of you, I am fearless, boundless, and tremendously blessed. Mm. I could go on forever about you, and even that would not even be enough. Mm. Ty, what are you most proud of about your mom? Just her very existence. I mean, she was so lighthearted. Her joy, you know, she was just, as we joked about her, <laughs> my family and I, we called her a happy baby, even though, of course, she's my mother. Because, <laughs> you know, happy baby, just happy despite, right? And yeah. that was my mom. And that's what I loved so much about her and that if you saw her and you could have seen her last week, you know, if you're a friend or a friend of a friend, if she sees you out and about, hey, you know, she greets you with all the love and the joy as if, you know, you're a celebrity or something. And that was reverberated, you know, back to her. She just had so much love and joy like a child. And that's what I love most about my mom. Oh, God, I love it so much. What was one of your most favorite childhood memories being with her? <laughs> my mom was also funny you know she's hilarious she's a jokester like honestly um, I'm trying to think of my favorite memory I mean I, I can go from heartfelt to hilarious but um, let's see <laughs> <laughs> my mom one time so we, we had like I was probably around 10 right and my sister have an older sister who's just a year and a half older than me and then my mother and my father so just a family of four we're riding bikes and riding back to the neighborhood, we all got our new little bikes and everything. And we're going by, of course, people on foot. And my mom just kind of loses control a little bit. And she's like, oh, shoot, oh, shoot. And she, like, runs <laughs> with her bike. <laughs> it was hilarious. Um, it, it just, that's a fun, small moment. I mean, there are so many, some that are probably not safe for work or safe to share. Because we are also a family of fools. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? A black family can be, you know, we... We, we're so transparent with each other. So we always have a good laugh that sometimes it's not so safe or fun to share. Right, right. <laughs> but my mom was just so lighthearted and fun. Um, I'm trying to think of another, another memory. I mean, she loved popcorn, so she would be eating. That would be like... So does night. mine. That's crazy. Lord. It's popcorn and mamas. I don't know what it, it is. It is, right? <laughs> 
And she was eating one night and she was so sleepy and she's eating this popcorn that she falls asleep, but her hand is still like doing the motion of putting popcorn to her mouth. And so she was literally asleep and the kernels were just falling on her and she was still motioning <laughs> the popcorn in her sleeping mouth. So things like that and many more. But uh, my mom was just so funny and lighthearted. When you think about you as a child, um, and you first opened up to her about being a creative because when you see the photos, you know, that you post on about your mom and, and her life and her story, the woman was a diva, y'all. Let me just go ahead and say that the woman was absolutely a model in her own right. And when I say a model, she was just absolutely gorgeous. But when you opened up to her about you being a creative, and I know she probably saw it way before you even told her. How was that moment? Well, so my sister, she found basketball really early, like eight. So she got into the world of basketball that literally carried her all the way through a scholarship in college and everything. So that was her thing. So when I was six, you know, they're trying to put me in sports and figure out what it is that I like. And I did not like any sports, didn't like it, still kind of don't. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so, of course, because of my sister's basketball career or what have you, as we're growing up, uh, we were at a tournament and there was music playing like in the, you know, halftime or something. And I was down there dancing with some other kids and the parents were looking at like, she, she could move, like she got some rhythm. <laughs> and so I was like, yeah, this is something we can finally put her in, you know, because I tried softball. I quit. I was playing with the little golfer holes and stuff. I was, it was so boring. My dad gave me the quitter speech. You know, if you quit now, you're going to quit everything. And I was like, I quit. Oh, my God. <laughs> was so happy when I found dance. And um, my mom right away was that stage mom, you know, took me to all of my dancing and all of that. I went to the Debbie Allen Dance Academy in their inaugural year when I was 14. So I found dance first creatively. But when it comes to the writing um, and in that side of things, I was 11 in sixth grade and I was in English class and my teacher called my mom. And usually I'm a gregarious one, right? I'm, I'm the, the jokester. I'm going to be the one cracking the jokes in class and stuff. And so I'm thinking they're going to call my mom in and say, you know, oh, she's been talking too much. You know, <laughs> They were saying that she's gifted in writing. And so before I could even kind of express myself creatively, um, with to my parents or to my mom, um, the teacher told her that I was creative, so she kept an eye on it. And then they saw how uh, quickly I could write and how well I could write so quickly that I became like the family scribe, right? Anytime the family needs something, hey, write my bio for me. Hey, can you, you exactly know, write the poem? Call Ty, y'all. You know what I mean? So it was support automatically. That's the short of the long answer. Uh, when I my mother supported everything creatively that I wanted to do. Um, I even had a small stint there of, of a rapper around the Bow Wow when he came out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, I want to be the answer to Bow Wow. I had a little rap career. My mom jumped right on that as well, and my dad, um, and managed my little rap career that I had. That I ended up performing at the House of Blues. By the way. <laughs> so I slid that in there. <laughs> but creative stuff, they were supportive all the way, 100%. When you talk about filmmaking, and I really want to get into your work and all of the amazing projects that you have done, some of the things that you have coming up, and some things as far as for the future, filmmaking is a huge job. What keeps you motivated? Mm, um, the art drives me. It's the stories. You know, when I get a story idea and I get to writing it down and it just flows like a river or a waterfall and I can't stop it, I know that there's a lot of hard work that comes with, you know, the production part of it, you know, but 
the art and being so in love with that story and wanting to tell that story drives me to say, I'll take on whatever challenges that may come, how tough it may be, how gritty it gets. Uh, but the art drives me. I think a lot about the Spike Lees of the world, the Tyler Perry's of the world, the people that are even behind the scenes, the Antoine Fuqua's. Um, who are some of your filmmaking influencers? You definitely said one, Spike Lee. I saw Kirkland fell in love. I loved everything about it from RuPaul talking about his punani in the liquor store <laughs> to her going to the light skin family that relationship and with color and the black family. Just that, when I saw that, and of course it's led by a, a little black girl as I was watching that, loved it. Even his artistic expression, his framing. I know some people feel a certain way about some of his choices, but that's the freedom of art. And so, that was definitely one of my early influences. Um, Eve's Bayou. My mom mm. dragged my to the movie to see that in 95 when it came out. And I was 10, right? Or or something like that. I think, yeah, I was around 10 years old. And my parents, they were LAPDs. Um, so, you know, black cops in the early, you know, 80s and the 90s and, uh, and stuff like that. So my dad was a detective. He got called out a lot. So uh, my mom was like, let's go see this movie called Eve's Bayou. So I remember going to the theater, had no idea what it was about, saw um, Journey Smollett. Mm-hmm. It was, she's my age. And so I'm like, whoa, another black girl. And so, you know, Casey Lemons and her direction in that film, loved it. And of course we have um, the wonderful people in that film. So it was just such a strong black family. Yeah. You know, they had their traumas and their things. It was so deep and gritty. So that's an early influence of mine. Um, Boys in the Hood, John Singleton. Um, so just those black directors out here, LA based, New York, they didn't matter. Just, I saw myself and then that gritty side and something that no one's ever described me as, and you said in this intro, a badass. And I think that comes from those John Singleton films Mm -hmm. that as a kid growing up in LA, having badass cop parents and stuff. So those are some of my early influences, but I also love, 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 love old vintage Hollywood, like Billy Wilder's, um, with Marilyn Monroe, yeah. uh, Like It Hot, one of my favorite films. Um, just, I, I love it all. I love it all. Make Mine Mink is another one of those classic, anything Jack Lemmon. Um, so I'm, I'm a fan of both, and my art kind of represents and tries to fuse both of them with my own individual expression. We talked a little bit about it at the beginning um, with the awards that you've received, and I really want to talk about your highlights because you've had a beautiful start of your career. And I say start of your career because for me, I feel like you're just cracking the surface. You literally are kind of like pulling these curtains back and the people are really now realizing who the hell Ty is. I mean, from the highlights of your 2020 NAACP Theater Award winner, your samples of Hurt People Hurt People to Kraken and The Blue Line and Prostitution and Sparks. When you think of, all, uh, and these are just a little bit of your projects, what has been probably your most difficult project and how did you, how did you get over it? Ooh, most difficult project. Well, my most difficult project came in March 2020, and we know what March 2020 is. I was actually in process, the third rehearsal of my most challenging uh, piece yet, which was a piece, a stage piece called Perfecta. 
and it was going to be a first of its kind, a choose your own experience. We've all read those books, you know, like choose your own experience, go to page seven if you want this option or whatever. <laughs> and then we've seen that on some, uh, I think Black Mirror did a rendition of a film, of an interactive film, but never on stage. So Perfecto was going to be that. I wrote this long intertwining uh, script um, that had different pathways so that the audience can choose real time without having to utter a word, without having to get out of their seats. I found uh, the technology and everything to do it so they could choose uh, what's going to happen next in the play live right before their face. Um, We were in our third rehearsal for that. And of course, when the actors who signed on to do this piece saw the script and then they saw the other script. <laughs> They're like, what? What are we about to do? What are we about to partake in? But they trusted me. And we were down for the ride. And we were just get, kind of getting our, our, finding our footing with this rehearsal. Like I said, their rehearsal. And they're like, shut down. So that was the most challenging thing. Not only the, the, the task of creating this choose-your-own piece on the stage is challenging, but then we're challenged by the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Let us down. You know, and I think about me in that place. My birthday was a week before. And I remember being on a men's panel um, probably a year ago. And that question, you know, was really the main topic because we talk about mental capacity and stability and where we are as a culture, you know, um, and how where we were in that in in that time and how we are really just realizing how to move forward um, and and understanding that the moments happen. How do we learn from it? What did we learn from it? And how do we move forward with it? Um, I thank you for that, you know, because I think when people look at you today, we're able to see a light. And that light, honestly, and I'll speak for me, that light is really shining from your mom, is shining from the history of the work that you have been involved with, but also just your your style of how you direct. How would you describe your directing style? Because we think about, you know, people's approach to the, your projects and your goals for your films. How would you describe your specific directing style? Mm, it's definitely been an evolution. Um, I, I mean, starting way back, I was a young director. I directed my first feature film in 04. I was 17 and everybody, you know, was older than me on set and everything. So then I was just kind of going with the flow. But I'll say I've evolved into a collaborative director because I do also come from in front of the screen and I know what it's like to be a performer. Um, I come from a more collaborative approach with my directing. I may see something, I may have it in my way since I'm a writer director. So when I write it, I may see it before I get to the directing. When I get there, the actor may have encompassed a whole nother uh, element or energy to it that changes what I saw when I wrote it. So it's definitely a collaborative approach and being a performer and understanding how it feels. You can give someone direction and it may feel so unnatural for them. It's going to read. I never want anything to read, but more so I don't ever want anyone to feel uncomfortable, unnatural doing something because the art has to feel real. And so my directing style is just it's collaborative. But in terms of visually, um, it's definitely something where there's Easter eggs. You know, I want you to have to look at everything two, three times over. Go back again. What did you miss? Mm. You know, that's something I also love to do with uh, the directing is kind of keeping people on their toes. Um, And some of that comes with, I'm an editor as well. I edit most of my pieces. 
I don't edit for anyone else. <laughs> but, you know, with the editing, it's also part of directing. And so if you're the writer, director, editor on a piece, you know, it's kind of all one. You're directing this one piece into something, right? And so with the editing, I do some fast cuts at times, you know, with conversation. I want everybody to be seen. I want everybody to be heard. But then sometimes I like mystique. So there'll be moments of just long, still shots or things of that nature. So anyway, I can go on and on. But Well, um, no, listen, I love how you already know my next question. This is crazy, guys. And let's be clear. You guys know how we do on the show. We're at show 200 in like 11 no one no one knows the questions that we ask and um i was thinking the other day i was looking at a documentary on uh netflix i think or amazon prime and it was about cinematography and everyone knows like a cinematographer is the person who controls the camera and the lighting and how important they are to your vision um Ty, what would you do if you felt that your vision was not being accurately represented by the cinematographer Oh, well, we couldn't even start the first shot without being on the same exact page. And, you know, there's always a mood board. I'm a mood board mm-hmm. kind of person, you know, <laughs> showing you the vibe on the first conversation. So there's never a misunderstanding. So if there happens to come a misunderstanding, we got to talk about it before we... <laughs> <laughs> but like, that can't... Nah, it's about the visual. The visual brings you in and then everything else, you know, fills it in. So that that couldn't happen. I, and I'm a communicator, so I don't mind saying, I'm sorry, everybody, we need to stop for a minute. I need to talk to this person, let's get this together. <laughs> we <laughs> need know? to be aligned. <laughs> we need to be aligned. Everything aligned. Yes. Um, I want to get into some questions. Um, I told some people, and of course, even some previous listeners of our show have always asked different questions if we have a specific guest on. And, you know, when I made the announcement that I was moving to Los Angeles, they were like, oh, my God, if you meet any writers or directors or actresses. And, you know, these are the questions that I would love to have answered. So this first question comes from Christopher, and he is out of Houston, Texas. Shout out to Houston. The first question that he asks is, Ty. Where do you see the film industry going in the next three years? <laughs> Interesting. Um, the next three years. So we are, we're approaching 2023. Um, you know, meta is very real, right? Mm-hmm. So meta all got introduced into that. And so I think film, the film industry is definitely heading towards more immersive art, um, interactive art. However, still limited to that because there are a lot of people who like traditional films. So there will always be the romance. You know, we'll have a traditional route, uh, but where do I see it going? And hopefully I can be a part of this to bring it there is that I love experiential things where you're in something, you don't realize you're in it. And then when you realize that you're in something else that you didn't realize, you're like, whoa, I want more of that. (laughs) So hopefully that's where the industry will go. Um, for film, television, very interesting. There was a time, old Hollywood, where TV stars were TV stars and movie stars were movie stars. They didn't really cross, right? They were like different cultures, if you will. But now you see a lot of movie stars that have come to television. And with shows like Abbott Elementary, mm-hmm. of that TV is going more towards the the every man voice, every woman voice. And what I mean by that is characters we recognize and realize. And we've been on that path, you know, body positivity or body equality, body diversity, you know. Um, so we've been kind of introduced to those things. And also, you know, our LGBTQ ally, hey, you know, we're seeing more of that. And I don't want it to be. <laughs> and I don't want, 
I, I hope that the TV industry and film industry will represent uh, everyone to their truest representation. Like, I don't think any uh, black person should be represented as, oh, that's the typical black, stereotypical. You know, I think we're kind of bridging away from those stereotypes yeah. and incorporate humanity um, to, regardless of what we look like um, on television. So that's where I see it going, more representation. Our next question comes from Lakeisha. What's up, Lakeisha? What up, girl? Um, and she is out of New York City. We love New York. Ty, do you make films to entertain audiences? <laughs> yes. Everything has to be entertaining. Otherwise, why are we watching it? <laughs> I want to watch the mundane, rote, you know, encyclopedia-esque thing. I'll go to the library or look right. up of something but film should entertain uh regardless of what you know horror drama whatever area genre it should definitely entertain so yes i make films to entertain to introduce maybe a new idea um to you that'll entertain you so you can laugh and think about it like huh that's funny what if you know <laughs> yes, yes always entertain last question comes from tim and he's actually out of california and yeah. hey, hey what's up callie um let's see because he asked two questions let me pick one that was ty what advice do you give an upcoming filmmaker Mm, get ready for a long road it (laughs) is long road as i mentioned to you 17 almost 18 years ago i started my first film you know and here i am most of you probably have never even heard my name or have seen a play of mine or anything you know, but it's been, you know, they say uh, overnight success is like 10 years in the making. Right. It's, that is the truest thing. But hold on. If this is something that you love, is it? if this is something you can't go a day without thinking about, hold on. It's going to be hard. You're going to get rejection. You're going to be told so many different things, but you have to hold on and persevere if it's something you truly want to do. But um, also be smart with your career and know that it is a career, even though it could be a passion. Um, if you're starting out in filmmaking, make sure you're reading the books that you need to read. Save the cat is a good one. I can recommend to you to just kind of understand story and structure and all of those things, but do your research, know, uh, the industry that's around you, read the trades by being the variety reports, the deadlines, know what people are buying, what people are into. Um, because it's not just about what you want to write. It's got to also be about, what people want to see. So stand strong and keep going. (laughs) Um, We have added this piece of our show as we begin to wrap. Um, We call it more of a therapy session. And at the beginning, of course, we got really, really personal with your beautiful mom. And um, we got to know a little bit more about you. And of course, we've seen a lot of these, um, the quotes and, and the love that you have shared on social media. But now we want to know more about you, you as a person. Um, Ty, when did you know that you were in love? Mm, in love with my husband or in love with life? <laughs> I'm going to say love with your husband. We're going to start with that. Okay. Um, I knew I was in love with my husband maybe about a month into us dating. I met my husband and we met in college, um, 06. And we were just friends. I met, you know, I was being dragged around like, oh, this is this person is, you know, introduced to people. And he was one of them. And it was like a high and by situation. Didn't think much of it back in college. And um, I got a job at BB 
<laughs> Shout out to BB. That's BB. I was there for about a year. That's a long time for a college student. So okay. Forty and all whatnot, but. Uh, about after a year that I was there, I saw him again across at H&M and he was wearing a suit and he was like, hey, Ty. And I look and I'm like, Mike, what, what are you doing here? He started working as, I guess at that time, H&M needed actual security guards in front of their <laughs> door. It was so intense. Like H&M was like the new hot thing right. uh, in the malls. Um, anyway, so that was like 06, 07. And then we, you know, college you know, college life is over, and those were a few very minimal exchanges other than high and by. Fast forward to 2013, I was super single, okay? <laughs> super single. And um, I told myself, you know what? Because, of course, I was a woman who wanted, you know, marriage and children, the family and the whole thing. And so I um, I told myself, I'm going to say yes to anything, anything that, mm. you know, out, you know, to whatever. Don't be like, no, nah, I don't want to do that. No, that's boring. Just say yes. And um, my friend called and was like, hey, want to go to San Diego for Labor Day in 2013? And I was like, mm, just us two, girl. We need at least a third person making a party. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, yeah, let's go. So I said, okay, uh, yes. So we went and I knew that Mike, my now husband, uh, lived out there. He's from San Diego. And so, of course, it's Labor Day. We're two girls. We don't want to end up at a boring club. So I hit him up like, hey, where are the popping clubs? Where do we need to go? Yeah. And he was like, oh, come to my place. He lived in the, excuse me, he lived in the gas lamp um, district, which is, you know, that's where all the partying happens in downtown. It's the, the place. He said, come to my place um, and I can show you guys around. So we get to his spot and I had a big bottle of Crown Royal. My daddy is a Come on, man. Crown Royal? So is mine. Okay, it's too much alignment going on, Ty. Too much. <laughs> Y'all know about them purple bags and them coins in that bag, but go oh, ahead. You, yes, you already know. And so I came with that, you know, pregame and all. And when I get out of the car in his driveway, he's walking down to meet us. Literally, my gut, like, dropped. And I was like, oh, my God, that's my husband. <sighs> I'm wow. not kidding. <laughs> this just, I'm not kidding. Um, now, I know the question is, when did I know I was in love? I did not know I was in love when I had the feeling that he was my husband. Mm. So I was like, it almost felt like regurgitation. You want to like, it's coming up, right? If you're about to Earl or something's coming up. But I was like trying to push it down. Like this feeling that Mike from college? Mm. My, what? No, 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 no. And he was such a sweet guy. He was so, like, chivalrous and all the things. And it was just natural. Not one of those, like, fake me out. Like, oh, yeah. we're going No, like, seriously ingrained in him. And he was so sweet and so hospitable to me and my friend. Um, I said to myself, that night, I'm going to get really drunk. <laughs> and I'm going to tell this man that he is my husband. And if he looks at me like I am crazy, I'm going to blame it on the a- 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 <laughs> That was my plan. Plan enacted. Later that night, I'm drunk, drunk, drinking, drinking. He was being, again, a wonderful host, taking us around to the hot spots. I turned to him and I told him, hey, Mike, you're my husband. There we go. <laughs> and he said, oh, I'm flattered. And I was like, flattered? He's like, no, what I mean to say is I honestly thought that of you when we were in college. Mm. And so I'm like, ooh, this ain't God, I've been through this. And then I started dry heaving because remember I was drunk. But then <laughs> I remember telling him shortly thereafter, <laughs> I was like, now that we know, now that I got it out there, you didn't think I'm just some crazy girl claiming husbands out in the club. Right. <laughs> I was like, I can't wait to fall in love with you. 
oh, and started man. courting. And again, it was a beautiful Cinderella story. I mean, I guess I wasn't like sweeping up no coal or nothing, but you know what I mean? I, we know and, what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> me. It was beautiful and wonderful and romantic. And I fell in love with him. And that was probably my first and only time I ever fell in love, period. I love it. Listen, and we love Mike. Mike and that that singing, that singing voice. What's up? Yes. What's up, Mike Eddie? Um, we think about how we value things differently. Um, for me, I, I think about this show. I think about my family, um, friends, the relationships intentionally that you build. Mm-hmm. Ty, what would you consider to be one of your biggest achievements so far? Mm. Everything you just said. My biggest achievement is having intentional true beautiful relationships with everybody in my life from friends to family um that's an achievement because we know that relationships are work and you know whether it's sibling relationships or you know romantic relationships uh it's work and if you can get to a place where all of your relationships are healthy and thriving and they we pouring into each other Oh, it's beautiful. And I just feel that because you also said the word intentional, I'm very intentional with the interactions I have with my friends and my loved ones. And to feel that come back around, and it's it's just, it's beautiful. It's like the proof of the work, mm-hmm. you know? Intentional, it comes back to you now. If you're talking about an achievement, like something I achieved, like, do you mean in that way? I can answer in that way. No, well. no, no. Listen, you answered it as thought-provoking, as an intentional as possible. So, no, I love that. No, I do. Our last two questions um, I love because as we started the interview, I gave you some amazing adjectives. But what are three words that describe you perfectly? <laughs> I would say an extrovert's extrovert, extrovert, mm. <laughs> <laughs> positive, and creative. I love that. Three words. Yeah. There's a question that I've asked everyone probably in the last like 50 interviews that really makes a lot of people think, um, you know, when we talked and we met, I was like, yo, this is a badass. I love it. Like everything about her from her glasses to her fashion, to her face, her energy, her, her beauty, her love for her husband, um, her love for her creative path, but also just to have a conversation with you. Um, I see the beauty of a woman. The beauty of what her mother has taught her, the the things that you have acquired on your own, the things that you are learning now as a grown-up wife, and the things that you've learned from your family. Mm-hmm. From all of the things that you've done, all of the filmmaking and the writing and the directing and the acting and all of the things that you will accomplish, the awards that you will receive, what do you want Ty French's legacy to be? Mm. Inspiration. Inspiration. Simply in one word, inspiration. Because if you're inspired to do something by anything that I've done or left behind or that I was or that I said or that I wrote or that I said to you or that I made you think, that I made you feel, I hope you're inspired to pass that feeling on or to go into action or to do anything so for me, my legacy is to be thought of and be inspired to do whatever it is. Um, also family. Uh, 
the value of family. And I know we're not all blessed with a given family. And sometimes we have chosen families and sometimes we spend a lot of years alone. But um, I hope that my legacy can show that no one can do anything alone. It takes family or tribe, a village, however you want to call it. Um, so I want people to look at my legacy and say it was a collaborative village of everyone. Um, it wasn't, you know, given, but was chosen. Um, yeah. And most of all, peace. Mm. <laughs> That's also a wish, but also I want people to feel peaceful. One thing that I, I think is a true blessing to people that have come to my home, my husband and I bought our first, first home together, 2018. And whether it's friends, family members, service people that come through our doors, they say, wow, it's so peaceful here. That is the biggest compliment I could ever receive. Yeah. And if my legacy could leave any part of that or drive people to want to find and keep peace, then that is a legacy well, 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 well uh, desired. I love that. We love you. We appreciate your voice. We appreciate your writing. We appreciate your creativity. On your Instagram, it says, currently writing your next Ben Wurgis series, but also I've got something up my sleeve. Get ready to believe. <laughs> what you got working on, Ty? What's next? What's next? Oh my gosh, I'm working on so many things, and I'm trying to uh, attack platforms from different, uh, all different platforms so people can view the art in whatever way that they naturally like to consume art. So the very next thing, um, it's kind of been a secret. So maybe I can make this a Jameer Smith podcast premiere. Uh-oh, an exclusive. Uh-oh, y'all. Um, I did recently in the summer complete a feature film called God Kissed. Woo! I'm keeping under wraps the log line or what it's about um, because there's a private screening coming up. Mm -hmm. uh, can see their wonderful work that we did and they're inviting some of their close friends and some of my close people that I want there and then that will go through the festival circuit and we'll see what happens with God Kissed but that is a whole feature that we did this year um, and that's that's coming soon so more on that it. but also um, coming to Instagram Reels um, and this is one of the, a part of that content easy accessible free content <laughs> Um, is a series called Real Stories that I'm embarking. And the first one will be called No Invite. We all know what it feels like to have FOMO, but it's never felt so unhinged. So that's coming a short form storytelling, short form series on Reels. Uh, I'll say spring of 2023. Uh, nothing as far as stage really coming up, but also there's more free content. You can check out vintagecityent.com. Um, and you can see color books where visual books with narrative tweets um, that tell wonderful stories over collage art. Um, and they're also interactive. Uh, so you can check that out or follow me on Instagram and I always post um, what new things I got coming. But yeah, that's pretty much what I could say right now. Always writing television out there pitching. So hopefully you'll see something soon on a network, a streaming service. But that's all I'll say for now. Well, and guys, and I have to say, if you guys want some fire content please make sure you follow this absolutely amazing creative on instagram at ty french and that is t-a-i-f-r-e-n-c-h and again please support this amazing creative in any endeavor she has going on i want to leave you guys before i say my quote i'm going to leave you guys with a quote that ty put up about her mom a blessed love unlike any other, from girl to wife 
to mother. Your love will live on, mommy. I love you. Until we meet again, I know you're waiting just beyond the bend. And Ty, we are waiting, we are loving, and we appreciate you. Thank you for being a part of the show. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I said that. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. And guys, as we always say at the end of the show, stay positive, but stay creative. Thank you for an amazing 2022. And stay tuned. 2023 is right around the corner. We have some surprises for you. So again, we love you and continue to love.